You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of the 2016 film The Witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. this family. everyone you were just listening to the trailer for the witch and the story is as follows in 1630 new england panic and despair envelops a farmer his wife and four of their children when their youngest son samuel suddenly vanishes the family blames thomason the oldest daughter who was watching the boy at the time of his disappearance with suspicion and paranoia mounting Twin siblings Mercy and Jonas suspect Thomason of witchcraft, testing the clan's faith, loyalty, and love to one another. This is a Patreon throwback review that was voted on by the supporters, the fans of NextBestPicture.com. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me for this special review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello, everyone. And... Another Josh, Josh Williams. What's going on, everybody? So, before we get started with this, I do want to, as per tradition, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of our Patreon supporters out there. This is our review of Robert Eggers' 2016 film, The Witch, which, no pun intended, um, actually managed to crack my top 10 of 2016, landing in at number 8. So that's a little bit of a preview there for my thoughts on this film. But I don't know your thoughts, Josh's. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing your takes on the film itself. I took a lot of notes on my second rewatch of this film, as I knew the first time that there was a lot of 
subtext, a lot of uh, themes to discuss, so I was ready, and I have a lot to talk about for this time around. Let's start off with you first, though, Josh Williams. What did you think of The Witch? Uh, I'm right there with you, Matt. Uh, The Witch landed in some of my top favorite films of 2016, and uh, it definitely recalls back to some of the old style of horror films made in like the 70s and the 60s of horror films that are slow on purpose and not so much slow for the sake of they want to get through the story slowly but slow in the sense of they want to build the tension and they want to build that anxiety so the witch and really draws back to that style of horror of taking your time and making everything go very smoothly and very slow so that the audience can feel the tension building so that it can crescendo into one you know terrifying moment or several terrifying moments which is always a spectacular thing when filmmakers can pull that off um there is a lot of subtext like you said that i was trying to look for on my rewatch as well uh but it's it's just it's a really great horror film there's a lot of really good all the performances are rock solid throughout the cinematography is stunning it's very well edited the sound design is really uh gets under your skin is it i would say and it's just all around like from front to back it's a very good very very good horror film Absolutely. Parm, what did you think? Yeah, I very much agree. Um, This movie was not in my top ten the year that it came out, but it came very, very close to it. Um, Yeah, I think that this is just one of the most wonderfully crafted horror films I've ever seen. Uh, The tension in it is just so expertly wound. has a lot of callbacks to, like, uh, Kubrick, I think, in The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the way that it just holds on certain shots is just so fantastic. Uh, The performances are all great, and, yeah, there's just so much it is working with on a thematic level, too, that you just get so wrapped into not only the story, but what the story is trying to say about these characters and the times that they're living in and what they're dealing with, and yeah, just overall, all around, it is an expertly made film that is just super effective on nearly every level that it's trying to work at. You know, the big thing about The Witch for me is I was one of those people that, you know, definitely raved about it as much as you guys did. And it's it's funny because I remember when we got to the end of the year and I remember placing it in my top 10 list and I remember reflecting on some other people's thoughts on the film, some some of my friends who had seen it. And they're, they're not, you know, hardcore cinephiles like myself and you guys. They're, they're casual moviegoers. And this was a film that divided people. And a lot of that had to do with the way that A24 marketed the film. And they marketed it as kind of like the jump scare horror movie in the same vein as something like The Conjuring. And so when people paid money to go see it in theaters and they got this slow burn, suspenseful, filled with, geez, like just this incredibly, uh, incredibly dark amount of dread. It, it definitely took people back and it also made people turn on the movie. And I don't think that the movie got what it wholly deserved that year. I mean, I know it made its money back at the box office. and I know critics were very kind to it. But I still feel that there is a wider audience for this movie that while maybe not initially um, there at the beginning, I do feel with time, this film is the kind of one that can endure and hopefully 
get another watch from people and people might be able to reconsider it. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a huge kind of blockbuster horror film that you would normally get droves of people going out to see. It's very quiet, much more subdued in what it's trying to accomplish. And for that, I think it has a longer... Uh, rewatch value, certainly, uh, to go back to it over and over again. It's not just a cheap thrill that you're going to get once and then move on. You can really dig into this movie. Well, let's dig in then, shall we? Let's ask the big questions. Josh Williams, do you believe in God? Uh, Like me personally? Yes, you, Josh (laughs) Williams, do you believe in God? Uh, I'm like on the fence about it. Okay, Josh Parham? Uh, I lean towards no. Okay. And I... Don't know, and I don't think it's my place in life to know, and I think that I'm just here for a time and a ride, and whatever happens at the end, it will be whatever it will be, and I will be judged for it or not. I just choose not to think about it as much. Now, the reason why I ask this question is because I do believe that one's own interpretation of religion could impact their view of the film. I say could because I do think there is also a lot of universal truth contained in this movie, whether you are religious or not. You know, it's really funny to me how there are some people that are uh, devout Christians who have seen the movie and definitely had a very horrific reaction to the film. But yet it's been also praised by the satanic uh, culture of people that worship (laughs) at the Church of Satan and say that this is like their favorite movie. I just... You know, that's why I asked that question right off the bat, because I'm curious if that had any kind of influence at all on anyone's reaction to this movie. I wouldn't say, like, the religion factor had an impact right away. I understood that there were very religious themes about the movie and that going in, there was going to be some, you know, touch upon religion itself, and that would end up being a big theme throughout the film. But I would say in terms of my own religion, that didn't necessarily impact the viewing experience altogether. I think it made my familiar familiarity with religion made certain moments uh, more frightening, I would say. Just knowing things about religion and thinking of ways, you know, that this is what people who worship said religions like are afraid of. It made certain moments like more terrifying, I would say. Yeah, because it's not so much the aesthetics of the film that scare me. Like I said, this isn't like a jump scare horror film. What what scares me about this movie, what I think makes it, you know, truly a frightening masterpiece is the religious allegory and how you could take that and tie it into modern times for religious fanaticism. And we see the real world consequences of embracing uh, such beliefs and As we know, to this day, people are still murdering and killing in the name of God. So that that's the part about it that really scares me is that it somehow takes these ideas, presents it in what Robert Eggers in the film deems as a New England folktale. And yet it can still resonate despite being in a totally different time altogether. Yeah. 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 I, I would agree with that. So. Let's break it down now, so for a little bit there. Um, what is the number one thing when you guys walk away from The Witch? What is the number one takeaway um, right away? Like, it could be anything. Cinematography, acting, production design. I mean, what's what's the big thing for you? Uh, 
Can I say the goat? <laughs> Black Phillip? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, one of the most frightening characters that I've ever seen in a movie and done so little. Uh, actually, like, all the animals in this film, because even that rabbit is, like, super creepy that they see in the forest. And I guess that just speaks to just the overall, like, atmosphere that this movie creates that really sticks with me. That, you know, every time that you're just with these people in whatever situation, it just feels, like, so incredibly isolating, so, like, that you're just being watched all the time through something in these woods, and it just really creates this atmosphere that puts you right with these people, that you don't know what's going on, really, just like they're not sure what's going on, and just really getting that sense of uh, just being put right in the middle of it is just a great sense that this movie gives you and a great sense of the direction that it has. It's really funny you mentioned about them being watched there, Parm, because the characters believe they're being watched by God and every single decision that they make, they make out of this desperation almost to avoid damnation when in reality they're really being watched by Satan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This other entity that you are expecting is going to be this benevolent force, but it's really there to influence the corruption within you. And whether or not that's actually the more tempting offer than the, the you know, silence of God at that point. You know, and I was tempted to say that God is absent in this movie, um, but then I remembered that when William uh, gets his family banished from the community um, to the farm, it's because of, you know, his prideful conceit and because he himself is probably, I would imagine, calling people out within the town for not worshiping the same way that he does. And as a result of that, it's like you could say he's like worshiping like false idols in a way and that he himself is putting himself on a pedestal that he's better than other people. And... They are being punished, I think. I don't think that this is a case of God being totally absent. I think this is a case of they truly have sinned. They're they're like they're like um they're like Adam and Eve being cast out of the Garden of Eden and they now live in this world that is full of sin and as a result of which they have to they have to deal with that. Yeah, it's a pride comes before the fall type situation for them. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? That's a that's an interesting way to put it. I I was kind of in your boat with the God being absent at first as well. Um, I like your analogy about Adam and Eve. That's really interesting. But I think the God. I think the more I watched it, the more I realized that God played such a role, specifically in the parents. And so the you know they clearly the both of them are very, very very religious. You know they're um, teaching it to their kids and forcing their kids to learn the way that they learned and. I think that God really kind of shows himself through the both of them just because their answers always seem to be, uh, you know, this is what God wants or this is what God has destined for us to happen. And then when things kind of go wrong, they turn on religion a little bit. Like there's a part where William thinks like maybe, you know, you know, God didn't mean for this to happen. This isn't the will of God. This is the will of something else. And so I think it's interesting to what like Parham said about how the God is kind of the silent observer in this film. And I think that's a really interesting point because it makes sense. I mean, we're, we don't even get to see Satan or the witch a whole lot throughout the film. She shows up every now and again and uh, kind of sprinkles herself into 
throw a little madness in the mix, but there is definitely a silent, like a fly on the wall perspective from God when you look really deep into what's going on between the characters. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt our podcast review of The Witch, but this is a preview of the full podcast, which you can listen to if you subscribe to our Patreon page. Just head on over to Patreon, type in Next Best Picture, and for a minimum $1 a month, you can get this episode along with other throwback reviews that we have posted and a whole lot more. Thank you so much as always for listening. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.